Welcome to the Ministry Podcast. It is such a privilege that you would tune in. All of my content is designed to bring hope to the dreamers and doers that Jesus offers us a better way to life and Jesus offers us a better way to lead. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. The title of today's message is How We Change Ourselves and Our World. It doesn't take much to convince the world right now that we need changing. Amen. And as we look at actually verses 20 through 21, I think what we immediately think of when we're thinking about more than we ask, think, or imagine, I know for me personally, my first thoughts are how do we change the world? We try to imagine that this world is a better place. We dream of ending division. We, we dream of, for our church of buying our own building and helping plant other churches and restoring families. All this stuff is very outward focused. But I'm more and more convinced of is that we must first start with changing ourselves. That's, that's, well, that's what actually makes the gospel different. Every other message we hear right now is about changing everybody else around us. Because here's the reality. Here's what I know. As we've been d- preparing these sermons, it's different preparing a sermon in the middle of a pandemic than if it's not. And so I really feel like some of these sermons have been heavy. But to be honest, I don't want to act like everything's just fine. I don't want to act like we can just keep going on with what's normal. Obviously, these aren't normal situations. But here's the reality. It doesn't sell... Because to say that you have to change first, because I think a lot of us are tired, a lot of us feel exhausted, and we just kind of want some comfort. But I really do believe if we don't change, if we don't lead the way in repentance, then we will always feel exhausted. We'll always feel, you're good now? It's a little short, though. I know. I was hoping you wouldn't say anything about it. Yeah, and I just said it. Um, Thanks for pointing that out. Yeah, so honestly, I think most of us have given up the hope of change, and so the only thing that makes sense to us is we can just change everyone else. Because who else is kind of, we've tried to change ourselves and it just hasn't been working, amen? And you hear the preacher, you hear the pastor, you read your Bible, and yet you are still struggling with the same addictions, you still have lust, bitterness, envy, anger issues, and you don't know what to blame. And so what we like to do is we like to blame the school. It's the school's fault that doesn't allow school prayer, because our, our kids would be better well, actually, if you were better, maybe your kids would be better. But that's a little bit harder of a sermon, so let's blame the government, right? We like to blame the system. We have money problems because of the system. Well, maybe you don't work enough, you know? Or sometimes it is the system, but we have to first look within ourselves. And so for tonight's message, I want us to first focus on, okay, God, what does this prayer look like for us? And then what does it look like for the world? And I think we've just, do you want to chip in yet? Are you, you feeling good yet? <laughs> Give me a minute. I'll Give me right, another minute, okay. And so it's just no wonder, I think, generally speaking, what we try to do at our church is to not just, just talk about heaven. Because we believe our King Jesus talked about bringing heaven to earth. We don't have to talk about an escape plan. What we're talking about is how can we bring heaven to earth? And it first starts, how can I bring heaven in my own heart and then in my family, in my neighborhood, in my church, and beyond? I think it has to start there. It's not a good look for us to gather every single week and just talk about how bad they are. It's not compelling. Everyone else is doing it anyways. If you notice, most political campaigns is just about how bad the other guys are. Our campaign is how good Jesus is, and it changed my life, and it will change our society's life as well. That's the only way forward. 
May we know, be known by what we're for than what we're against. And so that's why I want to talk about how we change ourselves and others. So again, first talk about how we change ourselves and then how we change the world. And really, the reality of what we're talking about tonight is dreaming. Dreaming again. Let's pray. Pastor Caleb, can you start us with some <laughs> yes. prayer? Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that we get to gather tonight. God, we're thankful that you're here in this room. God, that you're actively working in our lives, yeah. whether we realize it or not. Father, I ask that as we, as we dare to dream a little bit, that yeah. they would be God-based dreams, gospel-based dreams. God, that for those of us who are discouraged, maybe we've been walking this, this Christian path for so long and we've, we've, we've grown stagnant. Yeah. God, that you would reawaken our hearts to your goodness, the goodness mm -hmm. of the gospel. For those of us who are new to this or maybe haven't had a chance to, to dream, God, I pray that you would, you would paint a vision for us as individuals and as the church collectively. Yeah. Father, I pray that you would speak through Pastor Trey and myself, that we might uh, play a small part in bringing the kingdom of heaven here in Queen That's Creek. That's good. All this we pray in your name. Amen. 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 I want you to write this down, type this out. By the way, our notes are available online at passioncreek.com. There's just a button right at the beginning that says message notes. It's also on our app. But anyways, here's, here's the main idea for tonight. Our dreams are resolved by design or default. So I want to challenge us tonight, both individually, how are you dreaming the vision that God has given for your life, and also for us corporately? What is God's plan for us as Passion Creek Church? I'm talking about our specific local church, and I believe God gives a unique vision to each local church. That's, not, that's why we don't just have one big church for the whole city. The reality is God gives us unique visions and we're called to reach a certain group and do it a certain way. And praise God that there's other groups that reach other groups in other ways. Amen? And so I want us to really dream together, especially if you're a covenant member of our church or thinking about it. What is this dream for us as a church, but also for every person in this room? What is the dream for your life? Because here's the thing. It will happen by design, by us being very intentional about it. Or by default, letting society and the world tell us what to dream and how to get there. So what we talk about this in the, in the real spiritual language is spiritual formation. We believe to be human is to be involved in spiritual formation. It means you're, you have a spirit and it is constantly being formed each and every day. The question is, are you intentional with it? Are you designing it? Or are you unintentional with your spiritual formation and you just go to the default? which means the world is in control of what your future looks like. We're going to have a chart up here um, that I think will be really helpful for you guys. And so this is what we would call a life by default. This is called unintentional spiritual formation. Here is how people change. Here is how people get things done in the world currently. Uh, nothing is neutral. This is, there is always these four components in, in your life today. And if you are not intentional about replacing these with the things of the gospel, here is how your life is being run by default, whether you like it or not. So, number one, I want us to address the narratives of the good life. What we have today in today's world, especially today, we are constantly being bombarded with stories of how our life should be lived. Hmm. We are narrative creatures, which I really wish us Christians would jump on board with that because we feel like all we do is just share facts and then they'll get saved. Listen, we need to invite people into the story of God 
because everyone else is inviting them into a story that's bigger themselves, and we have a way bigger story, okay? We are all narrative creatures, and what I would like to call it, on commercials, cartoons, movies, no matter where you're at, you are hearing a narrative of their version of the good life. Now, I'm going to give you some examples, what I believe that we see today. Uh, there's, also, there's always false narratives in the culture, and I think we just have to be really, uh, we have to understand the, the culture that the church in Ephesus was dealing with, the false narratives they were dealing with, but also for us today, what are false narratives that we are hearing? Here's one um, that I think we hear a lot. Here's the false narrative. We achieve significance, which is what we have all, we're all made to be significant. So we, we achieve significance by what we have, by what we do, and by what others think. We hear this in movies and songs and commercials everywhere, all the time. That is one false narrative that we are hearing consistently. Here's another false narrative. Maybe you've noticed it, and I know that even I have really fell into this at different times in my life. Happiness is found through autonomy from God. I'll be happy. I'm not going to listen to a God to tell me what to do. I will follow the desires of my heart, and I'm going to get whatever I want. Happiness is found in attachments. We talk about this a lot. Found in just getting something. If I just have that one thing, my life will be better. It could be marriage. It could be a Jeep Wrangler Rubicon. I love those right now. Okay. Um, Pray for me. Here's another thing, though, that I think the narrative of the good life that the church has falsely preached is we are preaching that life is just about constantly confessing your sins so that you avoid hell. I call that the shaming gospel. We have a narrative. All we're here to do is talk about to run away from sin. I'd love for us, of course, we're running away from sin, but we're running to the Savior. There is a better life, amen? We talk more about bringing heaven here on earth. So here's some false narratives. And again, here's what we have to realize. The world doesn't gather every Sunday to hear preachers preach. So you hear this through therapists. You hear these false narratives through stories, movies, the news. What's really troubling for me is I know on certain topics that I preach on, let, okay, let's just say the church at large. I don't want to make them mad at me. Sound good? Sounds the good. church at large, I think, and I've been hearing a lot of pastor friends talk about it. We know that when we say certain words, you're interpreting it based off of what Fox News and CNN have told you what those words mean, rather than what the Bible says those words mean. Yeah. And so we're angry at the pastor, and we're pumped about our news anchor. It should be the other way around. We should be dissecting what they're saying with biblical truth. And what that means is some of us need to read our Bible more in order to do that. But the times are way off. We spend 10 hours. Oh, not even that. What is the new, What did they say? Like 20 hours a week yeah. on news and like 15 minutes a day in your Bible. It means like you're like a Sunday school hero. You know, and so there's some imbalance here. I want to be encouraging tonight, but this is about the bad <laughs> stuff, okay? We're about to get real happy. So these are some false narratives. And I worry that we don't recognize how much we've been sucked into this world. We've been sucked into the narratives of the good life, which I believe will always wind up hollow and empty. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think the, what's crazy about the narratives is once you believe these things, once you start, like, you recognize the, the lies that you've been told or you, you see your worldview through a certain lens, you start to think about your behaviors differently, right? And so the second, uh, I guess the second portion of this triangle is the patterns of the world. And so I'm reminded of Romans 12, right? We know this uh, verse 2, we know this verse, uh, Paul says, actually the NIV puts it really well, I love it how it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, 
his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Right? And so Paul's saying that the, by default, we don't just believe narratives, but we actually act them out. Right. Right? That is the pattern of the world. And we've talked about it before. We preach a lot about the spiritual practices, things that we actually do. Um, we've spoken at length about the body and how just by habit, your habits, your practices, the, the decisions that you make day right. to day, from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep, are either forming you into Christ's likeness or they are failing you. Right. Right? They are forming you into who Jesus wants you to be or they are failing you because you're, you find yourself believing and living out these narratives, these false lies, the, the, the lies about the good life, the way to get there. And so we, I, I think there's a tendency to... We, we tend to turn our, our brains off a little bit sometimes when we make decisions, right? And so we believe that, that small choices don't have big impacts, right. right? It doesn't matter if I miss a quiet time, hmm. if I miss two quiet times. Pretty soon that turns into it doesn't matter if I'm a member of a church community. Hmm. It doesn't matter if I'm praying because God, I'm saved by grace through faith. It's not by works. I don't have to do anything, right? These are lies that we believe. The truth is that these small decisions are shaping you more than you think they are. Right? We've right. talked about there's the Duke study that said, 40% of the decisions you make are not actually internal decisions, cognitive Crazy. decisions. They're just instinctive habits that you have. Like day-to-day, -day, your habits, the things that you are choosing to take part in are forming you or they are failing you. And we hear it all the time, what you believe, you will live out, right? Your belief uh, determines your behavior. How, what you believe determines how you behave, how you act. And I think for a lot of us, our behavior actually reveals something about our, our internal beliefs, yeah. And so some of, some of the, the things that I think we believe falsely, right, we can say all day that we, we don't believe in the, the lies of the world. We don't believe in, you know, what the world says is the good life. But usually a lot of us, our behavior says otherwise. Right. And so things like, our, you know, my work determines my worth. Right? And so we, we would say, no, of course, I'm, I'm a child of God. I'm, I'm all of these things. But at the end of the day, your, your work life is slowly overtaking your home life. Right. Right? You mark your value by your productivity. I think that's something a lot of us struggle with. How, you know, when you wake up in the morning, it's immediately your to-do list. Yeah. It, it might not be the news. It might not be, um, I don't know, something crazy sinful. But, you know, at the surface, you are putting aside time spent with Jesus to get things done. And there's nothing wrong with getting things done. But time, uh, time and time again, the more that you live that out, the more that that becomes a part of your daily life, uh, the more that that is shaping you into believing a narrative that is not true. Um, some more examples, I think uh, I'm only as good as I am productive. Yeah. Um, freedom is found outside of commitment. Yeah, that's good. I think that's something that a lot that's of... That's bad. That I mean, is bad. Yeah. <laughs> that is not good. Don't believe that lie. <laughs> that's something, I think we relegate that to younger people. Mm. Uh, that's sort of the stereotype towards you know, younger generations. But the truth is a lot of us, I think, are afraid of commitment. And it's not even, you talked about God, how some of us are afraid of submitting to the authority of God. I think some of us are just afraid of submitting to authority. Any authority. Any authority. And right. so the lie we believe is that authority is bad for me. The good life is found in autonomy from any type of authority. And so I'm going to stay away from commitment. Your, your behaviors determine that belief. Right. And so it's through these habits, through these patterns of the world that we're falling into that we are being shaped. And usually for most of us, right, nobody wanders into Christ-likeness. Right. right. Nobody wanders into becoming and living out, you know, the kingdom of heaven, the, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. We don't just naturally love our neighbors yeah. or our enemies, for that matter. Like, these are really difficult things. And so I, I would encourage you just to examine your daily life. We're going to talk about kind of what the good things are in a minute. This is the bad side. This is supposed to make you sad. Um, 
But think about the decisions that you make from the moment you wake up. What do you go to? Right? When you get home from work, what's the first thing that you do? Right before bed, what do you do? Right. I think for a lot of us, that's, that's revealing. We call it, um, what do we call it, an inventory? Um, yeah. I forgot what we call it. Yeah. An inventory. <laughs> habit inventory. <laughs> a habit inventory. Take a habit inventory, and I think you'll find some things in your heart that are making you live out these narratives that aren't true. I love that psalm that says, when I wake up, I think of you. When I lie down, your name is written on my heart. I love that. That's what we need. And here's the thing. We, we are so scared of becoming legalists because the generation before us only talked about what you do. Yeah. But if we just talk about what you believe, all week you do things against what we've been preaching on Sunday. You don't understand why your life feels so divided. It's because what your, your actions have to coincide with your beliefs. And what I'm convinced of is we must first note and, and, and renounce those wrong deeds in order to then start doing the right deeds. And so a lot of us were like, I know all the right things. How come my life isn't changed? Because mm-hmm. we believe all of these three, all these four work together. That leads us to the next one, relationships. So in your life, you will always be changed by relationships. Here's the cultural narrative of today for us. Our relationships are based on preference. And so we cannot wait to cut people off, you know, like cut the toxic people out of your life and all that sort of thing. That's very much celebrated in today's world. And let me just say there are some situations you do need to cut some people off, okay? Uh, But for a lot of us, it's like, no, it's just because they're telling you the truth and you can't stand it. So then you just cut them out. That's not, so some statements, some slogans just don't work. Um, It's just not good for us. Now, for us, a, a culture wants you to surround yourself with yes men and yes women. And we talk about this a lot. What we want to preach out here is a community. And what the world is preaching is about tribes. Here's what tribes do. This is based off of, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Seth Godin? No, no, the other guy, David Brooks. Oh, David, David Brooks. Brooks. He says, we Seth form God. tribes. Tri- tribalism is based around mutual hate. Have you noticed that today? Community is based around mutual love. So when we gather today, we're not basing it because we all together hate those people, whoever those people are, right? No, we're gathering today because we love each other and we love our King Jesus. But this is hard. I don't like, so hate me, if whatever. I'm a seven on the Enneagram. I don't, I'm going to say a number, and then the people who are, the, there's a certain number on the Enneagram. I'm like, we just don't roll together easily, but I need them desperately in my life. Right? And so we are different in our personalities. And if we don't recognize the beauty of the church, I'm getting ahead of myself, we are relationships based on preference, and we just create an echo chamber, and all we get is the people who believe the same things as us, and we just get worse and worse and worse. Okay? So that's life by default, leading to the last one. So these three things are always at play. And at the center of them, right, the, the lies that we believe about the good life, the, the way that we live out those lives, and then the people, or sorry, those lies, and then the people that we choose to be friends with, all of those beliefs are reinforced by our environment, right? And so, again, we don't drift towards Christ-likeness. We don't just naturally drift towards the Spirit. We don't just naturally produce fruit of the Spirit. What happens naturally is our environment has an influence over all of those things. And so if you look at the world around you, I mean, like we mentioned the news, turn on the news, there are, there's an environment that the world is trying to say is shaping you, and this is the way that it's supposed to be. So some of these, the ways the environment shapes us, um, we live in an, a very anxious culture. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have noticed that. Um, right? Two, the two enemies, I believe, of the Christian, I mean, there's a lot of enemies of the Christian faith, but the two most prevalent, it seems right now, being perpetuated by the news and by media and by all of these things are worry and hurry. Right? So worry is anxiety. We're always being told about things we need to worry about. 
right? The world around us is not good. We know that. We have to worry about it. We have to worry about our kids. We have to, we're living in this constant state of anxiety. Even if right. we choose to reject it, that's what our environment is telling us, right? Right. And then we also have hurry. We're in such a, again, it goes back to the productivity. We are only as valuable as we are productive. And so we have to hurry to the next thing, the next uh, check off the to-do list, hmm. or the next experience for some of us. Right? It's the next, we're rushing towards things that are going to fill a hole, that are going to make us feel like you know, we're, we are valuable, all of these things. Um, when we walk in a hurried spirit, we block the Holy Spirit. I believe that. Boom. There's, <laughs> there's the mob mentality. And I think a lot of us, it's human nature to want to belong to a collective, right, to a group of people. And so we're constantly looking to find our identity in others before we find our identity in Christ. And so when we find ourselves in this collective, we become consumed with this group think, with bias, with all of these things that right. perpetuate, again, the lies about the good life um, and the behaviors that we live them out. The, we we want to find ourselves, our own voice as a part of the majority. And so we look for the, the things that are the loudest are the things that are influencing us the most. For us, for some of us, it's news. For some of us, it's social media. It's bad people that you actually do need to cut out of your life, that you feel like when you hang out around them or you let them influence your life, you don't wander into Christ's likeness. These are all factors of the environment that are uh, re, uh, re-influencing everything that you believe in and things that you do. And the sad thing is, I think a lot of us find ourselves in this cycle, right, this process, and we don't, we don't even recognize it. So we first believe in a lie about the good life, and then we start to reorient our lives around those lies. And so we start to live out, live, live out how we can get to the good life, how the world tells us to get to the good life. And then we cut out other people who are telling us that's not the way to the good life, people right. who get in the way of that. And we find ourselves coming to church or to group, uh, Bible study, whatever it is. And we still can't kick that habit or that sin or we still don't feel like God is moving in our lives. Right. Because we're only trying to reach him intellectually or we're only trying to reach him by doing things. This is what Paul calls conforming to the pattern of the world, is by letting your environment shape you more than um, the practices. Yeah, that's good. And so I want us to see, like, um, conspiracy theorists might be pumped to hear this, but uh, I'm not one. But it's like, look, there is a force at work with everything going on today. But my Bible says in Ephesians 6, it's not against flesh and blood. Amen? It gets the principalities, against authorities. It's against the devil and, and the enemy and the demonic. And, and if by default we are sucked into this, our, the narratives, the patterns, the relationships, and it's reinforced over and over and over, and we only get worse. That's why one theologian, I think it's C.S. Lewis, he says hell is just God letting people be people. Because if you think about it, have you ever met a really nasty 80-year-old man, Right? Imagine them when they're a million years old. They're just more bitter, more angry, left up to ourselves. We'll take care of it, God. We'll punish ourselves because we just are so selfish and whatever, okay? So this is the pattern we have to see that's at play. Here's a quote that really helped change my perspective a lot. Um, should be on the screen by James, James Brian Smith. He says, we can, this changed my life. Uh, not him, but I believe this a few years ago, and it just radically changed everything. We talk about it a lot here at our church. We cannot change by simply saying, I want to change, Amen. Other people have tried that. There's a storm coming. I hear Amber Alert. All right, so, or it's a child, but I I hear something. We have to examine what we think, which is our narratives, and how we practice the spiritual disciplines, and who we are interacting with, our social context. We have to examine and repent and be very intentional by it because, guys, our dreams are resolved by design or default. And just saying, I want to change, will not change you. 
And here is the positive side. What we want to introduce constantly at our church is life by design. Here on the chart up here is intentional spiritual formation. So this is counterformation. This is recognizing the world is sucking us into this other whirlwind. And so we are going directly against everything we're hearing from the world. Now, we're not calling us to become monks, although we are in the desert. Desert monks in the 3rd or 4th century are pretty amazing people. We're not saying we're just leaving everybody, although I know for some of y'all it sounds amazing right now, okay? But, but we do have to have this withdraw and return mentality where we're getting refueled not by the world but by the word. Amen. All right. And so what does life by design look like? We need to replace the narratives of the good life with the narratives of the God life, which, by the way, is the good life. So we have to replace some of our God narratives. So not um, the false narrative is we achieve significance by what we do, what, you know, what others think of us and what we have. But the God narrative says, no, we receive significance by being deeply loved and affirmed by God. We're the only religion in the world that's all about receiving, not achieving. When it comes to following the desires of our heart, we know the narrative of God that we see in Scripture. We know this. Our disordered desires must be killed so that our deepest desires may be fulfilled. So our quest is not just to become people who hate desire. No, we're just saying that sin in your life, that's actually a cheap version of what God really wants in your life. So let's dig down deeper into that desire you have, and you'll recognize you're looking for intimacy in all these other places because you are made for intimacy with the Father. Another thing, it's not um, a narrative that we have to replace in our own life. Guys, it's not about marking off tallies for God. We're not in competition. We're not here to just prove to God that we're good enough for heaven. No, it's about marking out time with God to enjoy him. He's a generous God, a loving God, a trustworthy God, a sufficient God, which is the points we talked about last week, if anybody remembers, and I doubt it. All right, so these are the narratives of the God life. Every Sunday, we're teaching a new narrative that we're seeing from scriptures about what the real good life is, and that's found in Christ. Yeah, I love, I think it's, was it Dallas Willard who says, grace is not opposed to effort, effort. it's opposed to earning. Yes. And I think in the church, a lot in our in our attempt to stay away from works-based faith, we often shy away from telling people that they should do things right. to live out their faith, right? And so we've talked about how the narratives that we believe influence the patterns that we behave. Uh, to counter that, we want to practice uh, the practices of Jesus, right? And so I, you don't have to look far through Scripture. I, Paul talks about it a lot, about putting on righteousness, taking off things. These are actions, right? Walking in the Spirit. I love actually in Ephesians 5, since we're in Ephesians, uh, he says this, pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making yeah. the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is, and don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Paul is saying you have to walk. You have to do things. There are practices that you can take part in, not to earn God's grace, but to make an effort to become more and more like Christ. And we're going to talk, it's not all in your power to do this. It's actually not in your power at all to do this. Right. But again, you don't drift into Christ-likeness. You don't just become a more loving, more generous person. And so some of the practices, like, you know, when people, 
ask us why we talk about the spiritual disciplines so much, the practices, and why we talk about meditation and fasting and all of these things. It's because we truly believe that these things are integral to the Christian faith. Not to prove that you are a follower of Jesus, but right. really to experience the better life that right. Jesus has to offer. Yeah. And so some of the practices that we advocate for quite a bit, uh, silence and solitude, mm-hmm. right? And so if you are somebody who struggles with productivity, somebody who struggles with finding your worth in your work, one of the best things, I firmly believe this, that you can do for your, your soul is to, to spend the first, I mean, five minutes even, when you wake up, committing your day to Jesus, just in silence and solitude, meditating on the word of God. Psalm 1 says, how happy is the one, blessed is the one, yeah. who doesn't walk in the way of the wicked or stand in the way with sinners or sit in the seat with scoffers. Instead, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on it day and night. Mm. Right? This is a picture of somebody who isn't swayed by the narratives of the world, who isn't behaving in the patterns of the world, but who is meditating on who God is, the life that God invites us to, and he finds new life in that. Yeah, like, remember this week, I told Caleb, I said, I'm not talking to anybody for like 48 hours, because I was a wreck. Like, just things are happening in my life. Yeah. I guess I was believing false narratives, and silence and solitude, I was always saying, like, God, I just need you. And it wasn't to get God's attention, but it was to give God my attention. Amen? That's what we need to do during these times. And it just refreshed my soul so much to not hear from Caleb for 48 hours. I'm just kidding. All right, keep going. You actually, <laughs> never mind, I won't say that. Yeah, don't tell him. I did text him a couple times. All right. <laughs> um, another one that I think is really helpful that just in, in rejecting the default way of life is actually praying for other people. Right? Because one of the lies, the world will lie to you even about your own religion, right? Even about the, the Christian faith, the relationship that you have with Jesus. Yeah. The world will tell you it is only about you, right? It is only about individual responsibility. It is only about your salvation. Once you have that, you're good. Hmm. Everything else is just extra, right? If you look at how Scripture talks about the gospel, I mean, everybody from Genesis all the way to Revelation, it's always within the context of community. Right? right? You're going to talk about that in a minute. You cannot be a Christian outside a community. You can't, that can't happen. Right? You are a Christian because you're a part of the body. And so what you pray for reveals what you care about. And if you start praying for others, you make that a practice, a habit. It's not going to happen naturally, but you start making yourself do that. I think you're going to find that your, your faith is strengthened. You're going to see God move in other people's lives. But right. you're also going to be reminded in your own soul that your faith is not just about you. Mm-hmm. You get to reject that lie from the enemy. And then another one is uh, gathering and participating, right? And so we consider worshiping together with the local church, like we're doing now, a practice. And for some of you, like, the first step is just to show up. Yeah. It's just to come, you know, break out of your, your comfort zone a little bit, sit next to somebody you don't know, and sing some songs out loud. Listen to a sermon, listen to the word of God preached, and then leave. And if that's your first step, if that's what God is calling you to, then, then that's, that's a great, beautiful, wonderful thing. I think for some of us, we've been doing that for years. And I think the next step is participation. It is finding ways to serve. It is giving. It is actually being intentional about making connections with other people, uh, being a part of a community. Yeah. Yeah. And we're so grateful that we recognize our system hasn't been the greatest to get people involved in serving because we went from a theater to this, and we have more people. Uh, we're praise the Lord. We have someone else that's joining our staff this week uh, to start getting that ball rolling. So we're really excited as you uh, just get our systems better to get you be able to serve faster. The next one is community, uh, the community of Jesus. I'm going to make this quick because we have a lot more to go through. Uh, guys, we don't cancel people. 
Amen? We don't participate in cancel culture. What we do is we dwell in diversity rather than cater to conformity. Here's what the community of God does. It has a way of exposing us and encouraging us. Community is hard because you have to get vulnerable. If you want to truly be loved, you have to actually be known. And the beauty of the Christian life is we can be fully known and truly loved at the very same time. And so even in marriage, people talk about how hard marriage is. Why is it hard? Because you finally have somebody that exposes all of your terrible deficiencies about your human life. Someone's able to be there like, that's annoying, that's annoying. That, and you're like, you're annoying, you're annoying. And so you just expose each other, right? But you're, it's also very encouraging. Isn't that right, darling? My girl. Okay, so... <laughs> Community is supposed to expose and encourage. Again, this week, I was a hot mess. And so I did silence and solitude, but I also called like 10 of my friends and just talked about life. And it was so refreshing to my soul. We need community. And this is all, all of these are powered by the Holy Spirit. Again, I, you, this isn't, if we try and just make ourselves, force ourselves to, to believe these things and to live these things out, we're operating our own power and nothing's going to happen. Right, Galatians 3, I love how Paul calls people out who are trying to do that. He says, having begun in the spirit, are you now continuing in the flesh? No, of course not. And so we do this all relying on the work of the spirit in our lives, making, you know, making ourselves more aware of the spirit, right? Yielding our will to God's will, right? Jesus prayed, prayed this, not my will, but your will be done. We want that prayer to be the same thing for us as individuals, but also as a church. And what that means is letting the spirit convict us as individuals, Right? Listening to how we've been you know, influenced by the ways of the world and maybe convicted to start a practice of Jesus or to start giving into a community. We want to be aware of the Spirit. We are absolutely powerless without the Spirit. That's right. And that's what I've recognized. I've been a little frustrated in my own Christian walk, uh, my, my pursuit of Jesus, because I feel like I haven't been changing as fast as I'd like anybody else, right? And so part of it's like this lesson of patience, but I've actually recognized I've been focused a lot in my own life as the narratives of the God life and the practices of Jesus and community of Jesus but I've tried to keep control of it the whole time. Yeah. I wasn't giving control over to the Holy Spirit. And I've been preaching, you cannot be consoled by God if you want to keep control of God. And this week I broke down because I recognized I've been trying to keep control of God in my life. My spiritual director I called this week and I was so excited to talk to him. And he said, okay, imagine I need to change. I was, he's like, I'm demon possessed. What do you do? And I'm like, uh, call somebody because I've never done that before. You know? But then I said, okay. So I talked about the process of change. And I was like, guess what, Tom? This will be really cool because that's what I'm preaching on Sunday. So I said, so it starts with the narrative. So I'd ask that person, what's the narrative they're believing? And here's the narrative of the God life. And here's the practices, and here's the community, everything we just preached. And I was like, that's how you change. And he says, dog doo doo. He said another word, but we'll just say dog doo doo. And I was like, whoa, okay. You know, feisty. All right. What, what, do, you, what do you mean? Because I'm preaching in two days. So if, if this is completely wrong, you need to tell me now. And he said, you didn't start with surrender. He said, you're Baptist, aren't you? I never heard the word repent. I was like, oh, that's, that's a good one. That's <laughs> We have, every step of the way is a step of surrender. Here's the thing. Our default, this is life by design. We never get to design if we don't repent of life by default. Yeah. Our default is the devil's design. We have to denounce that from our life. My spiritual director, he's amazing. He's a, he's a Lutheran, so we always give each other a hard time about that. But he said something that y'all miss that we do in confirmation. I said, we'll talk about this later. But he said... He said the first step, the first thing they say when you go to get baptized as a 12-year-old getting confirmed to the Lutheran church, he says the first question is, do you renounce Satan and all his works and empty promises? That's good. We can't get here until we renounce that. 
there's something you're struggling with in your life, it's not just to get smarter, yeah. it's to surrender. And you have to lay it before the Father and say, okay, first off, God, I repent of chasing after these empty promises. I repent of getting involved with Satan and all of his works. And it sounds dramatic, but it's very true. We have to start with repentance. We cannot be consoled by God if we want to keep control of God. Here's the next quote. I think it's really helpful. Um, Again, by James Bryan Smith. He says, life by default has staying power because it allows us to stay in control. It's up to me to save the world. I like when things are about me. Anybody else? I can control God by having the right understanding of my depravity, the right view of the atonement, and the right prayer to bring me into heaven. It is all about us and our control. And that makes God small and mean. We have a much greater God, and I have to repent before you, just in different areas of my life. I just thought it's about me being smarter and understanding more and just plug and play. And God just humbled me this week and says, before you do any of the, every step of the way, I wrote this in my journal, start with surrender, stay with surrender, end with surrender. It's this constant game of saying, God, I'm giving this up to you because I can't do this. Friends, surrender is not something that's natural in today's culture. All that we hear is get angry and point out how bad they are. And all these different solutions. Why? Because humility is hard. But it's the only way to heal. So we can't even talk about life by design if we don't talk about repentance and surrender and submission to God. We still have stuff to talk about. So let's get going. All right, so... We cannot change our world if we do not change ourselves. Amen? Let's start talking about changing the world. Guess what? We cannot change our world by ourselves. Ephesians 3, verse 20 again. It says, Now to him, Jesus, who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power, look, that works in us. He wants to work in us before he works through us. Amen? To him be glory, glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So how do we change the world together? God wants to display his glory in the church. And at Passion Creek Church, we have decided there's these four rhythms, these four things we talk about all the time. And this is our pattern for change. It's God time, gather time, group time, and go time. We believe you do this individually, but we do this as a collective. And that's a very tangible way to say, okay, if we do these things together on a consistent basis, we will change together and we can change the world together. Okay, so here's the next chart that we have. Here's how we actually set up our whole church calendar based off God, Gather, Group, Go. So we want you to do this on a weekly basis in your individual life, but we do this on a monthly basis corporately. So we like to split up our calendar into three seasons, four months increments. So this September, we're, start, we're about to start season three. As you know, in season one, we do growth groups. Season three, we do growth groups, which is why we're starting groups this, uh, this coming week. But in season two, the summertime, we uh, did the workshops. But let's look at this. The first month is God time. We want to collectively come together and say we are focusing because, guys, I would want to do it every day of every year, right? But we know that some of y'all get burnt out, whatever. So we say, okay, let's make an emphasis once every four months, and then we hope that you continue those patterns. So we call it the 21-day presence or rule of life. And so we're about to roll that out in the next couple of weeks. It'll be September 1st through the 21st. We're going to ask you to have three daily practices. That's scripture before you touch anything digital. That's walk with purpose, meaning in the middle of the afternoon, which uh, it'll still be hot. So you do something, walk somewhere inside, uh, but you walk 
walk with prayer. You do a prayer walk maybe in the morning. And then also you just limit your media intake. Guys, the news is only going to get worse. So you're welcome. In September, okay, I'm going to plan out my time. I'm listening to all these false narratives. Now, weekly practices... Once a week, we're going to encourage you to take a Sabbath rest, 24 hours, where you, where you stop wanting, stop working, stop worrying. You fast from food. Maybe this is one meal for you one day a week, or it's two meals. Uh, and then weekly worship, doing what you do now. We want to make this an emphasis. That's God time. This is how we make time with the Lord. It's just you and Him. Now, here's what I'm really excited about. We do this every September as well. We're going to have a spiritual formation retreat. I'm so excited. Okay, so this start, we're actually opening up signups tonight. You can go to passioncreek.com and sign up now. It'll be to the first 15 people. What we're going to do, September 25th, will be a Friday night. We're going to stay Friday night, Saturday night, and then you'll go back, we'll make it back to church on time, Sunday at 5. It's a huge house to be bought in Flagstaff, but here's what we're going to do the whole time. We're going to establish, we want to find your own narratives that you have believed that are false, and we're going to talk about what is a God narrative that can change your life. And it's going to be time to reflect and be, have time with the Lord and have silence. It's going to be really focused on helping you. In order for you to be focused, we're not allowing children. Amen? All right? So uh, ages 16 and up are invited. Uh, it's like my favorite thing to do every year. All right? The second month? Second month, we really want to emphasize gather time. So gathering like we are as a local church, as Passion Creek Church. Uh, and one of the ways that we do this is we call it Heart and Soul. Uh, and this is our membership class. And so I, I know some of you guys are, are relatively new. Uh, we want to give you the opportunity to uh, come and hear what it means to be a member, why we believe membership is important, why we believe it's important to be a part of a covenant community, not just a friends, a friendships right. or based on preference. Um, and so we're going to talk about that. We'll have more details on that later on. This is open to anybody, especially if you came to the Apprentice Workshop. Uh, those five weeks, was it five weeks? It's four. Four weeks. Did it feel like five? It didn't. Just uh, four weeks really kind of, we, we, that's pretty much our DNA as a church, why yeah. we do what we do, what we believe about your own individual walk and how that fits in with our church. And so if you didn't go to those, we're going to have those online for you to, to do before uh, the membership class. So we're going to have more details on this later on. Yeah. Um, we are grateful, like Pastor Trey said, for the ways that we've been growing. Uh, obviously, this is not a season that we were expecting growth, and so we appreciate your patience with us. I know some of you have been a part of the changes in, in how we manage volunteers and, and servants and things like that. Um, but I would encourage you, right, if you've been coming for a while, to pray about making that covenant to be a member of our church. I would encourage you, too, if you've been coming for a while and you feel compelled to find ways to participate, maybe serve in a way that you've never served before, Right? We believe that that shapes who you are. That's a part of being a follower of Jesus. So. And you not only covenant to us, but we covenant to you. Yes. So it, it's a two-way street there. Third month, so this will be in November, uh, we emphasize group time, which again, groups start next week, but we emphasize it by getting all of our groups together, and we do a Viking feast. Uh, that's the one we do in November, and so it's a great time where everybody brings some food. We're going to figure out how COVID-19 and all that fits together, um, but we're going to do the Viking feast some way or another, and so it's just one, again, one of the highlights of the year. We just get together. Don't worry, I don't even preach or nothing. We just enjoy each other's company, and I have a really cool, I wear a bear, and it's it's cooler than all you guys. Okay, so then uh, fourth month, it's true. Go ahead, fourth month. Fourth month is go time. So we emphasize, again, we don't just gather to collect, to worship and sing songs to ourselves, by ourselves, but we actually want to, you know, like we say all the time, bring the kingdom of heaven to Queen Creek, to our city. And so uh, we emphasize, there, we have a lot of different service projects. Uh, first and foremost, actually this Friday, 
uh, before we even get to December, um, this Friday we are doing a blood drive. We've posted about it on our social media. Uh, we've talked about it before. I would strongly encourage you. There, this is such a great way to serve the community in a real tangible, to, to meet an actually tangible need. Um, blood is really sparse right now during COVID-19. Uh, many people are having issues finding the right blood types and things like that. And so this is an opportunity for us to actually donate blood, to give, you know, something so symbolic throughout scripture to other people as an act of sacrifice to way to serve the community. Uh, we have signups online. You can, you, you have to sign up to do it. Uh, passioncreek.com. Passioncreek.com. You can sign up for that. Uh, we also need help cleaning up, setting up, things like that. Uh, and so if you are interested in that, come and talk to me, I guess, yeah, for now. Yeah. You. Come and talk to me. I will get you in contact with the person running it and we'll go about it that way. But it's a great way to, to meet a, a really tangible need. Uh, here in our city. And then this in, Friday. This seven. Friday, yeah, August 21st. This building. This building. It will be here August 21st, Friday, starting from 3 o'clock, going until 6.45, I think is the last yeah. sign-up. Um, yeah. Cool. And then in December, we're going to do right, like December. a... Um, uh, we're, we do a turkey drive every year, and we also do Angel Christmas tree. Angel Tree gifts. Uh, because of time, let's move to the last thing. Here's two more encouragements, and we're done. Again, I want us to see this is how we collectively try to uh, get together, encourage one another, and change the world. It's through God, Gather, Group, and Go time. Here's two more exhortations, and we're done. The first exhortation is, look, change is available, but change is not inevitable. It is possible to be a follower of the way of Jesus, attend church every week, but still look the same type of way, you, your own spiritual life is the same as when you first started. What I hate is there's kind of a rhythm that we kind of bought into in the American church is your first four to five years are nothing but growth, and then you just stagnate. And we don't want that. We want you to constantly see that there's more, uh, more and more to learn, more and more to love. That's why we despise sayings like we're not perfect, just forgiven. I think we're more than just forgiven. We miss out on so much more if we just think we're just forgiven. But I just want to tell you, uh, the Holy Spirit will do that in your life, but it takes intentionality. It takes us surrendering to the Holy Spirit. I love how Eugene Peterson says it. He says, the Jesus way, wedded to the Jesus truth, brings about the Jesus life. I think that's good. Uh, here's the uh, last encouragement. We're talking about dreams. We're talking about vision. Listen, you cannot be lifted in life if you are not grounded in love. So a lot of us love the dream vision, uh, the, the, the dream sermon, because it's like, okay, here's I'm going to conquer these things. But what we've learned 14 through 21 is, look, at the end of the day, for me, I'm trying to learn more and more. God, if I don't have you, I don't want any of it. Presence is a billion times better than progress. And so what we're trying to do at the end of the day is not to use God to get better, to get whole, to get... Uh, holy, we are coming to God to get God because we love him and we adore him and we can't get enough of him. And he is such a gracious, loving God. It's all about love. It really, really is. You cannot be lifted in life if you are not grounded in love. May your own individual life be grounded in love, but also may our church just be ground, rooted and firmly established in the love that Christ has for us.